Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome to the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. A very happy Tuesday to you. Joined today by Drew Hill. You can find him on Twitter at Drew Hill underscore DM. He's the Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Daily Memphian. Drew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been so fun we, in Salt Lake City so far. Yeah, it's, it's cool to be traveling again. Hey, it's uh, fun to be going and checking out these games. But uh, we had a wild game one. I don't think this is what Jazz fans were expecting. But then again, the like six hours leading up to the game was so wild for Jazz fans with Donovan Mitchell being cleared and then being pulled. What do you think that did for the Memphis Grizzlies? How, how do you think that affected them? In terms of the, the Donovan Mitchell news, I'm not sure how much it, it affected them. I, I think it probably changed their game plan a little bit um, because if you're the Grizzlies, you're expecting Dylan Brooks to check Donovan Mitchell almost the entire night. He's your best defender. He's the guy that, they, that you want to use on him. So when he goes out, now you have a chance to use Dylan on really whoever you you want and I think that that probably changed the game plan a little bit but they were preparing and they noted like they expected him to play so um, it was a last minute change but I don't I don't think it changed a whole lot for the Grizzlies yeah I think you're right and I think that was maybe the biggest shakeup was that Dylan Brooks was probably going to be face guarding Donovan Mitchell the way he had been for Steph in the uh, in the play-in tournament and then he got to do it on Joe Ingles or he got to do it on Mike Conley for stretches and those guys are just not as good offensive players especially in isolation as a Donovan Mitchell is. So I think that was probably, you know, maybe the biggest shakeup for both teams. I think that they ended up realizing looking back at game one, what was your biggest takeaway of what happened and and why the outcome was what it was where Memphis was up, what 17 in the fourth quarter jazz came back. Was that tired legs from having played all week or was that just, you know, kind of everything balancing out? That's the trend that the Grizzlies have tended to follow the the late part of the season. They'll get up. They've started really well in almost all of these games. They started great against the Spurs, started great in the playing game, um, started great in the regular season finale at Golden State, found ways to let the other team back in at every single time. So that's kind of been a trend. I'm not sure if it has anything to do with like legs or no legs. Um, I think there's reason to be optimistic if you are either team, because the jazz, if you want to play the well, actually game, there's plenty of, of, of reasons that 
if you're a Jazz fan, you can still feel good going into game two. One, you didn't play with Donovan Mitchell. Sure. Obviously, that makes a big difference. Two, you're probably not going to shoot that way again. And three, Rudy Gilbert played 25 minutes, right. and he always plays more than 25 minutes. So I think if you're the Jazz, you can still feel good going into game two. And if you're the Grizzlies, you feel great going into game two because you've now proven to yourself that you can win on the road. This is a Grizzlies team that is so young that they just don't know any better. Like it, it feels like they have no idea, you know, that they're supposed to be these big underdogs in these games. And it's been the case for the last three games and they just go out there and play loose and they've got loose cannons on their team. John Morant and Dylan Brooks are both agitators. And um, that's what has really made Grizzlies fans fall in love with this team. But I, I can see why they'd be very agitating to both the jazz and jazz fans. Yeah, Drew, I think it was funny last year because they were in the play-in tournament last year, right? Kind of the single one-game playoff they had against the Blazers, and it felt like they were too young and a little bit overmatched. And when we talked to Dylan Brooks, must have been Sunday before the game, uh, I asked him, like, how do you just not be happy to just be here? Because now you've qualified for the playoffs. How how is that? Because sometimes we see that these young teams, they push so hard just to make it, and then they get their first taste and they just get washed out of the playoffs really quickly. They just didn't do that at all. They were not afraid of the Jazz at all on Sunday night. They came out and they punched him in the mouth. Or at least even better, they absorbed a punch in the mouth because the Jazz came out and got up big. And then they fought back. And then they withstood that big run. What is it about this team? Is it, is it, I mean, it can't be experienced because they've really only been here once before and it was the playing game last year. What is it? Who drives that? It's attitude. Um, and it starts with Dylan. Uh, Dylan is the guy that makes his team go. When they need buckets... I mean, John Morant's the guy that makes the plays at the end of the game. He's the best player on the team. That's pretty obvious. But when they need buckets, they go to Dylan Brooks. When they need energy, they go to Dylan Brooks. And he's been really great at being that energy guy. He's also a little crazy. Um, and I think that makes him perfect for that role. Um, and, and so, again, it just it, it's not experience. It's just attitude. This team just doesn't really seem to care. And they got a lot of guys on the team that have that, you know, don't give a flip attitude mm-hmm. um, came from nothing type guys, Dylan Brooks, second round pick John Morant, you know, was not a highly touted player out of high school or in college until, you, you know, he exploded right the year before he got drafted. And so I think all of that sort of translates to a team that obviously is built for the future, but still has the potential to be dangerous and maybe, you know, take a couple games in this series. Yeah, I think you're right. And you mentioned the Jazz and, and how they've got to be feeling right now, which is they shot 25% from the three-point line. It's their second worst outing of the season. And they had a ton of really good looks that they just missed. Rudy Gobert got in foul trouble. Mike Conley got in foul trouble. They didn't have Donovan Mitchell. The idea is probably uh, none of those three things are going to happen again the rest of the series, or four things, I guess, uh, if you count foul trouble with the two guys. What does Memphis take away from game one? I mean, like you said, they're happy going to game two, and really they've already done their job. They flipped home court advantage. They get to go home tied 1-1 regardless of what happens tonight or, or, or tomorrow night, or maybe they're up 2-0. How do they feel after game one and, and what they've done? Is there things that they feel like they can get a lot better at, or did they play a good game? They played a pretty good game. Um, it's it's hard to tell because we haven't really seen, like, again, like – playing the well actually game the the jazz had so many things go wrong in that first game i'll be interested to see how game two goes because i think that might sort of change the vibe going back to memphis for game three um but i i don't know how you don't feel good if you're the grizzlies you're the eight seed and you took the the first game of the series albeit uh with no donovan mitchell on the floor and you're two 
players who have been the best for you at the end of the season both played fantastic. And uh, Jonas Valanciunas held his own against Rudy Gobert. Um, and that's pretty much all you can ask for if you're Memphis. They're playing with house money at this point. Like nobody really expects them to win the series. I, they're still series underdogs at this point. Um, but they got to be feeling good. And again, they're, they're led by a 21 year old who's getting his first ever playoff experience. And so there's, they're not, I don't think they're trying to get too high at this point, but, but not too low either. What's the perspective on Dylan Brooks within Memphis? I mean, I have to imagine they love him the same way jazz fans love Joe Ingles because they're agitators and they get under the other team's skin and they talk a lot and they're vocal. I mean, I just have to imagine they love that he's, I, I don't know, how, how similar is it to, I guess, the grind city when Mike Conley was there, it was kind of this grit and grind, and how is he embraced now? Does it feel like a carryover, or is it a different generation? Yeah, people are, so the, the grind father was Tony Allen, that's what mm-hmm. everybody he, everybody used to call him, and so now everybody's nicknaming Dylan Brooks the grind son, because he's like the next guy who is like Tony Allen that wants to get under your skin. They've had this transition, it's it's really interesting because you have the transformation from the old Grizzlies, grit and grind Grizzlies, to what they're calling that they're they're termed the next gen Grizzlies. That's what the the team is going for. Um, and but there's still a little bit of Memphis flavor to this team because you have Dylan Brooks and you, John Morant. Look, he's an agitator too. He, he you know he talks trash on the floor. Uh, he he lets you know how he's feeling as well. Um, and so you, you still have a, a bit of that that is carried over in terms of the Memphis feelings for Dylan Brooks. He's been a huge story of transformation, because if you ask Grizzlies fans a year ago what they thought about Dylan Brooks, the answer probably would have been totally different. People were hot with Dylan Brooks before they got to the bubble because he would take all these shots and put out these super inefficient performances. And then every once in a while, he'd be great. And you could see the potential there. What has really changed him is that he's become this awesome defender. And so when he's after he added that to his game and, and really started to rein it in a little bit more, now he's still going to occasionally take the shot where you say, you know, what are you doing? Um, after he did, he's, he's done that. Memphis fans have really come around to him this year. It's, I like, I, I've considered even writing a story just like mean tweets about Dylan Brooks because even Memphis fans disliked Dylan Brooks a year ago. And now they absolutely love him. So he's been a he's been a fun story of transformation for this to follow. If, you know, if you watch the Grizzlies, how are Memphis fans going to treat Mike Conley in Game Three uh, when he gets introduced? Because I mean, it was weird. And and look, I'm not comparing Grayson Allen to Mike Conley, but Jazz fans booed Grayson Allen when he checked in, which is funny because the Jazz fans loved Grayson Allen when he was here. And, and then the trade netted you Mike Conley. Like the Jazz don't feel bad about making that trade at all. And they've liked the way Grayson played. And, you know, he only played one season here, but was but was well-liked. Mike Conley was beloved in Memphis, but now he does play for the opposition. Is he going to get booed or is he going to get a warm welcome? He's going to get a cheer. Um, he, he, you know, he's the franchise's all-time leading scorer. Like he, I, 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 he's going to get a cheer. He's not going to get booed. Maybe there will be a, a few fans who boo, but... Mike Conley will always be cheered in Memphis. He did a lot for that community. Um, he still has like charities and you know foundations in Memphis, so uh, he'll, he will definitely get a cheer. Um, I think both teams from that trade, both teams have to be pretty happy, right? The Jazz got Conley, who's really found his way and became an All Star for the first time in his career, and the Grizzlies have have had this rebuild. And Grayson Allen was huge for them in the playing game to help them even get to this spot. I think both teams are pretty happy at this point with that trade. And you had to clear room for John Morant and he's just turned into an absolute young superstar. And yeah, 
you know, Mike Conley wasn't great for the first half of his first season and has been pretty, pretty much nothing short of spectacular since then. So I think it'll probably matter how far, if he resigns this offseason, how long he stays with the Jazz, how they ultimately look back at that and how far they can go in this playoffs. If they get eliminated in the first round to the eighth seed and Mike Conley leaves, it might change the perspective on that trade. But uh, I think that the idea is that he's going to be here long term if they can find a way to make the money work. So what are the expectations for game two for, uh, for the Grizzlies coming in? They've obviously got... I don't know if they want to. If I want to say they even have momentum because you know it was a 17 point lead and they won by three. And Boyan Bogdanovich started playing really well, and now Donovan Mitchell's coming back, and the Jazz have a scouting report. Kind of, you know, all the things you talk about the the chess match and the adjustments around too. What's the expectation for Memphis going into the second game? Um, it would be nice if they won, obviously, but I feel like again the whole the whole series in general, they're playing with house money here. Um. And especially in game two, because you already took game one and you know you're going to go home at least even uh, against the number one seed in this tournament. So um, I think Grizzlies, for the Grizzlies themselves, of course, they expect to win. But Grizzlies fans probably don't have too high of expectations um, for game two. They're just honestly like this team is so young. They're just kind of along for the ride right now. I, I wrote today. It's like a flashback of 2011 because the Grizzlies end up upsetting the Spurs. And that's not to say that they're going to upset the number one seed in this series, but that's kind of when everybody started to fall in love with the team. Like as the team gets better, fans get more invested. I'm sure you've seen that happen with the Jazz. And so at this point, like the Grizzlies' biggest asset is that now back at home in Memphis, everybody is going crazy over this young team that's never made it to the playoffs as a unit. And they're probably just ready to get back for game three, if I had to guess. What are the next three years kind of going big picture? What are the next three years for Memphis? How, how has this year changed those expectations? What questions do they have to answer? And, and kind of what is the expectation? Well, first, they have an offseason where they're going to need to consolidate because they have a lot of players. Uh, not everybody plays. Like you have Brandon Clark, who was an, on the a first team all rookie last year, who's catching DNPs in the playoffs because Xavier Tillman's been really good. Um, you also have a guard situation where you've got Desmond Bain, um, Grayson Allen, and DeAnthony Melton, and it's really hard. they all play the same position, and it's really hard for Taylor Jenkins to get them all in the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if they start consolidating this offseason, trade some guys away, try and get a few more assets, um, and try and shorten their rotation a little bit. Uh, and then you have big contract decisions on the horizon, like in a year from now, Kyle Anderson and, and Jonas Valanciunas. What are you going to decide to do with them? They're on a little bit different timetable than John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And then the immediate question is Jaron Jackson Jr. is eligible for an extension this summer. Do you give him a max deal after his injury and he's come back this year and he hasn't been super impressive? But you don't really expect him to be impressive when missing 85% of the season. Um that is like that. That's the big question this offseason in Memphis is what do you do with Jaron? Do you how much money do you offer him? Do you try and wait, or is that going to offend him? What do you do with Jaron? And that, that to, to the Grizzlies is like priority number one. You can find him on Twitter at Drew Hill underscore DM. Uh, jazz fans follow him right now, especially throughout the playoffs. He gives you a ton of great coverage on the Grizzlies. You can read him at the Daily Memphian. Uh, he is the beat writer for the Daily Memphian, Drew Hill. Drew, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for doing uh, or thanks for having me on. And and this is a beautiful city. So I I like it here. Well, I'm glad you've uh, been able to hang out and enjoy it a little bit.
Yeah, thanks. Big thanks to Drew Hill for joining us on the Jazz Notes podcast, giving us a great breakdown on the Memphis Grizzlies ahead of Game 2. Uh, if you don't yet, follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Follow me on Instagram at Ben's Hoops. And, of course, read me at kslsports.com, or better yet, download the KSL Sports app. It's the best place to get all of my jazz content, including this podcast, articles that come out uh, daily. So make sure to do that. Open the App Store and look for the KSL Sports app. We'll be back with you again with another Jazz Notes podcast. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.